So Holman, I'm at the Amsoil facility uh, for their 50th anniversary. They let you in? Uh, they did, yes. Well, because I was with Gail Banks. They had to let me in. I mean, they didn't have to. No, they didn't. Out of they respect nice. to him. Yeah, out of respect to Gail, mm-hmm. they let me in. So anyway, uh, he was there. Uh, we had the Type R road racing truck from back in uh, 2005, six somewhere the, in there. Uh, GMC? The GMC. Oh, man, people love that truck. It's they a great love truck. it so much. I would love to make a street version of that where it has that same look. I think it would be cool. That body style, because that's a GMT 800 body style. Yeah. Sierra regular If you haven't seen it, just look up, uh, just Google uh, Banks Type R Sidewinder. In my mind, I know exactly how I would do it. It would be like a black, like forged five spoke with like, you know, something really sticky sidewall, like a Nitto drag radial at all four corners with a big 20 with a lot of sidewall. And like the wheels pushed out to the edges of the fenders and slammed on. I mean, you're describing the way it is now, except for it's- that's what I'm saying. But I would want to do the same thing as a street truck. Yeah, I would, something I could drive every day. It's just like mean, like that. It is mean, and the lip, the splitter in the front sticks out so far. My God, you catch your ankle there off? were no, dude. There were three or four millimeters on the left and the right of the splitter, trying to get it onto the the transport truck uh, to get it back to Wisconsin. It took us an hour to get it in the truck. Like it was just a little bit light, a little bit left, a little bit right, a little bit left, a little bit right. And we had to like wedges to get it up and over things. And like, it's just, the truck is just so damn low. Anyway, so we're out there. Phenomenal event. So thank you very much to Amsoil for allowing us to celebrate their 50th with them. Did you see Brad Lovell? Yes, I did. He wrote to me over the weekend. Hey, it was great to get to know Lightning at the Amsoil deal. <laughs> and I wrote back. What do you mean, hmm? What does that even mean? Oh, by the way, speaking of wait, Scott well, Birdsall. What, what does hmm mean? Scott Birdsall just texted me back. I sent him an image. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell oh, you that. Hold on. There's my photo with uh, me uh, Brad and Brad Lovell, Lovell right yep, there, there at, at dinner. Yep. Very nice. Sat at next the, to each uh, other. Black Rock or whatever it was. So uh, really I cool steak. just guys. texted Scott a picture because all you people mm-hmm. who listen to the show who sent me the helicopter drawings that was made out of certain phalluses, yes, I've gotten it 47 times. But- yeah. It's inspired me, and I made a... Uh, wait, wait, can I finish my story no. first, though, Scott? I want to get to your little dick truck in a second here. That's okay? not how I would position okay, it. Okay, well, I want to... Hold on. You're, 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 you're cutting me off the pass here. So now you know what it feels like. All right, fine. Look at this photo right here. Yeah, I what, saw it. I saw descri- it on Instagram. All right, well, describe that for people who don't follow me on Instagram. It's Gail and Scott leaning on the race truck, smiling with their arms crossed. And do you know why Gail is laughing out loud? Because Scott said, I'm going to beat you. Because Scott is threatening to kick me in the nuts. Oh, well, that's all right. It's <laughs> nothing that doesn't Scott get threatened a, on a regular uh, night of podcast. Uh, Scott's a wild man, dude. No, he's cool. He's he's my man. He's my peeps right Anyway, there. I texted him a picture because I have seen that helicopter drawing and i thought that would make a great truck show podcast t-shirt the helicopter out of phalluses uh the, the helicopter made from shapes where you look at it, you go oh, that's a helicopter and you look closer you go oh so i thought maybe <laughs> there would be uh, a truck show podcast limited edition t-shirt of uh scott's uh, old smoky so i are I, you sure you want to give this away on the air i doodled something up just while we were here and mm-hmm. i sent it to him and I, uh, I said to Scott, and I, this is a, uh, this is a pickup truck with a big wing on it. Just stop. It is in similar style to that helicopter drawing, but it's a pickup truck. I doodled it myself, and I said, I'm making a bootleg shirt to honor you in the style of the helicopter drawing. And I sent him the helicopter drawing, and this he writes back. <laughs> so I think Scott's on board. 
Are we going to make these? W- Would w- this be w- our inaugural shirt? I don't think it'll be the inaugural shirt because the, I think just a logoed shirt would be the inaugural I don't think shirt. so. Nope, yeah. I think we make people wait for the actual tr- mm. uh, Truck Show Podcast logo, and we launch with this. We launch these, and they're $100 each. That will we'll be see. the talk of any any guy that goes to a bar, yeah. and he's wearing that. Yeah, I know. That's the only shirt anyone's going to want to talk I, about. I'm, 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 I'm on it. I'm on it. It's, I'm, I'm working on... This is the first version. Well, this is not the final draft here. When you're done, uh-huh. give me that design. Uh-huh. I'll vectorize it. Mm-hmm. I'll prep it for shirt art. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this will be the launch. Mm. This is the way we want to launch our online store at truckshowpodcast.com. I don't know if that's really the way we want to launch Absolutely. it. I think people would love the shirt, though. They would. They I right. think this would grow beyond our audience. I just said easy, easy, <laughs> easy. All right. Well, uh, speaking of things that come in boxes, uh, I've got this. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Easy. I see an Alpine box easy. down there. Is that Alpine? Why are you giving it away? Because, I haven't opened it up yet. Because I know those Alpine stripes anywhere, anywhere. My I, my vision could be completely blown out. I, I could be 180 listen, years old, and I know Alpine I wish blue your vision was stripes. as bad as you're hearing. Yes. Oh, uh, I'm so, so jealous. Here we go. Look at that. Our, our man, uh, mother Steve Brown, mm-hmm. came through. Oh, I had to bleep you. That's his name. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he came through. I got the uh, the grills, and I got the uh, the S2s. Okay. So, so these are grills for six and a half inch yep, speakers. There you All go. Right. Take a look at these and tell me what you okay. think. Oh, those are uh, those are heavy. All right. All right. The magnets on those things are can meaty. I, can, I, can I open the box? Yeah, I've already oh, opened okay. it. Let me move uh, paper. I just wanted to get the, the lightning seal of Alpine approval. Okay, so these are 4 ohm, 80 watt RMS, 240 watt peak. Ooh, these are nice. Feel how heavy that magnet is. Yeah, this is good. This is really good. All right, so these are cloth dome tweeters. These are great. Oh, and you can take them out of the uh, the case and mount them any way you like, and you can even uh, change the direction. When are you going to install these? And uh, I'd like to give them a listen. Uh, I'm going to do it this week because the rest of the parts come tomorrow, so uh, should be able to listen to the next episode. I have this episode of the Truck Show Podcast on it, and hear us in high fidelity. All right, so just a, a few specs on uh, this particular speaker. It's their S-Series. This is their second generation, so these are the S-2s. So it's... Uh, yeah, I so you'll you'll trip. I had the original S's. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these are six and a half glass fiber woofer cones, and they have a high amplitude multi-roll surround is what Alpine says. And the uh, one-inch uh, tweeters are silk dome tweeters, and they have that threaded removable housing. So the bracket that I'm going to be able to use to swap from a three and a half to a six and a half I'll be able to place the tweeters and sandwich them on that bracket, and then everything should be good. But the uh, frequency right. range of these, 70 to 40,000 hertz. So they should be Which fine for what insane, I'm doing. Which is insane, right? I mean, you can't hear beyond 13.5, 14K max, 40,000. So who are they making for? This is for dogs? Do you think uh, dogs prefer Alpine 2 to 1 over uh, the closest competitor? Uh, for sure, definitely, without any question. Uh, I, I believe the Truck Show Podcast uh, prefers Alpine uh, 2 to 0 over the uh, next competitor. So, anyway, I wanted to say thank you to Steve Brown. Shout out. I literally uh, hit him up last week, and the box arrived on, uh, I think it was like Friday. It's like yeah. right away. So, I'm excited because uh, it's summertime, and with the top off, this the stock sound system is just lost and muddy. So, these should be really Well, these really are nice. right above your head. So, um, you should be able to appreciate the extra volume for sure. On this episode of the Truck Show Podcast, we're going to be checking in with Kyle Fisher. He's at Hot Shots Secret, and they have quickly become the go-to in fuel and oil additives. And if you've ever thought, "Mm, 
I've heard some good things, but I'm on the fence about additives. I have a feeling that Kyle is going to clear all that. Yeah, up. well, he's been on the show before, and uh, I think the first time we talked to him, you know, we uh, we fell in love with his knowledge of uh, everything additives, and we learned a bunch. And so I know they've got some new products coming out, especially in the fuel side of it. And I also want to ask him about the gasoline products because I think people think, oh. It's, they're mostly diesel, but they have a, a whole line. They've got RV now. There's all, all sorts of stuff. So, all right, well, before we get to Kyle, we want to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. Without them, the Truck Show podcast wouldn't be what it is, and they have supported us from the beginning. So if you're in the market for a new truck, whether it's the midsize class or a half ton, you want to head on over to your local Nissan dealer where you can check out the Nissan Frontier or the Nissan Titan or the Titan XD. The Titans come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. But check this out. Every Titan comes with a 400 horsepower, 413 pound-foot of torque V8 standard. To back you up, if you go to NissanUSA.com, they've got a uh, comparison chart right here. A 23 Ford F-150, 290 horsepower. How about a Ram 1500, 305 horsepower standard? 289 horsepower for a Toyota Tundra or 310 for a Chevy Silverado. Nissan Titan with 400 horsepower standard. And every Titan comes with zero-gravity seats, the 8-inch touchscreen with CarPlay and Android Auto standard. And you won't miss a beat with the upgraded Fender audio system. So the place to go, NissanUSA.com, where you can check out all the features and options or build in price your Nissan truck today. And if you're looking for more power for your Ford F-250 with a 6.7 liter diesel, or maybe your Ram with an Eco Diesel, or your Jeep with an Eco Diesel, or your Chevy with a big 6.6 liter Duramax, look no further than BanksPower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the Derringer Tuner for your truck. Add as much as 81 horsepower and 144 pound-feet of torque to your diesel pickup truck. It'll allow you to hold the gear while towing up a grade, unlike you do now. Now, Downshift City. If you want that extra torque, the Derringer is the way to go. BanksPower.com, type in your year, make and model the truck show we're gonna show you what we know we're gonna answer what the truck cause truck rides with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, are we ready to dial Mr. Kyle Fisher of Hot Shot Secret? Dial, but don't do it while smiling. I have to frown? Or just a straight face? Just dial the phone. All right. Hello there. Hello, is this Mr. Kyle Fisher of Hot Sot Secret? Try that again. Yeah, like sure is. <laughs> I say, wait, hold on. I was slurring. I was too many S's. Hot Shot Secret. Yes. Easy for you to say. Yeah. HSS. Right. <laughs> say that ten times fast. Hot, I dare hot you right secret, now. Hot Shot Secret, 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 Hot Shot Secret. I was getting there. You're so five, hot shot secret, hot shot secret. Oh, oh man. You couldn't do it. Jeez oh, Louise. <laughs> All right, hold on one second, Kyle, while we redeem ourselves with a jingle. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about 
lunchable up a stool and share with us. How about it? Well, I don't. Are you sitting on a stool? Are you on a couch? Or in your truck? Where are you, Kyle? You got the couch tonight. I got the couch. Okay, good. He's comfy. He's comfy. Hopefully, you got a stiff drink in your hand. I do. I got, I'm ready for well, you. Well, he's been on the show before, so he knows what it takes to uh, be a guest, and that's to be well lubed. Just sauced up. Yeah, exactly. because he knows how we are. <laughs> yeah, I think last time I was on it was uh, at SEMA, so I wasn't yeah. sauced then, but uh, uh, yeah, we had a good time. I think LeVon Miller was on with us. Oh, my God. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. One of the most, uh, one of the winningest UCC uh, pilots. Yes, and a uh, diesel power challenge winning alumni. Okay, so Kyle, you were on, uh, was it uh, last year, the year before, at, at the SEMA show, as we just said, and we kind of, we briefly went through the history of Hotshot Secret, but I don't know that all of our listeners have heard every one of our episodes, so I do want to get kind of a, uh, a Cliff Notes version of why Hotshot Secret, yeah, who you are, how who, you got started, who you are, and why you're the experts in additives. Yeah, well, you know, we kind of stay in our lane. We we focus on high-performance problem-solving products. So I think I did kind of briefly get into our story last time I saw you, but we were we were founded by Chris Gabrielchek. Uh, he was a, a married father of six and trying to feed a lot of faces and was fortunate to come up with the formula that uh, solved the problem with the Huey injectors and the six-liter Fords when they first came out and started having problems on the diesel side. And you know, that kind of launched the company with our first product, Stiction Eliminator. And uh, we've just kind of continued down that path. And, you know, we really don't make any commodity-style lubricants. Uh, we just kind of focus on uh, the high-end, high-performance and, uh, you know, problem-solving products. And it's just kind of a lot of people don't know us. Those that do love us. And uh, we're kind of building a family. And we've now been the, the fastest-growing lubricant company in America the last few years. And people are finally fin- finding out about us. And we're... We're kind of on for a ride. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when uh, even in the beginning, you, when you guys came out, I think there's a lot of people who assume, oh, it's just snake oil. Oh, it's just another company that's trying to fleece us. But you guys have proven yourselves, especially in the diesel performance side of the industry, racing, you know, longevity. I mean, there are diehard fans who will not put anything other than your product anywhere near their truck. Yeah, we've always kind of taken an approach, you know, approach being conscious of snake oil out there. There is a lot of bad lubricants out there, and there has been. Uh, so we've always kind of taken an approach to, to put our science out there, put the data out there. Uh, we're a very open book, and we really kind of capitalize on new technology. You know, I, I think it's funny, especially in this truck world we live in, you know, everybody wants the newest technology and, you know, suspension and the newest turbos and injectors and but for some reason, the lubricant world's always kind of been, oh, well, I just kind of use my daddy's daddy stuff, you know. But uh, there is new modern technology in lubricants, and that's kind of where uh, the space we live in. So we kind of bring new technology to the market. I mean, and there are some uh, some chemists that are paid some really big bucks. I mean, we always, when we hear of chemistry, we think of bioscience. We think of genetic science, right? But that doesn't mean that there aren't really talented chemists in the lubrication field that are inventing amazing stuff, right? And you're proof of that. So, like, I, I do want to go back to the Stiction Eliminator, the one that launched it all. What the heck is Stiction, and why should we eliminate it? <laughs> Good question. So, uh, Stiction is really just a buildup of carbon deposits in the engine. And this goes for, for all engines. And, you know, that product was formulated for the 6.0 diesel, and 
We're very well known in the diesel market, uh, but this product can be used in gas or diesel. It, it, it doesn't matter for that. And any engine is going to have burning of the oil, uh, what we call the hot spots, which are the tightest tolerances in the engine. And as you know, these newer engines are even having tighter and tighter tolerances. So it's becoming even more of an issue. And what that does, it, it just gets the oil to a temperature where it burns off the hydro side. It's a hydrocarbon and it leaves the carbon behind. And there's different ways of cleaning that out. Most of them are pretty harmful to the engine. Why Stiction Eliminator is unique is that it cleans and lubricates at the same time. So instead of one of those products that you have to pour in and dump out real quick because it's going to dry out your bushings and, you know, and can damage the engine, our product's made with just high-end group four, group five esters, like real high-end oil esters that you put in with fresh oil and you leave in for the entire oil interval. And it does the job while it's protecting the engine. I work for Gail Banks during the day. So the reason I bring up his name is he was doing some research on a uh, on some diesel engines. And we were going through the numbers. And I, I don't want to botch the numbers. So I'm not going to throw any specific ones out. But he was going through how many times the valves open and close at like 3,500 RPM. And it's hundreds of times per second your intake and exhaust valves open and close, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, a fraction of... Of the overall RPM, right? So, anyway. Suck, squeeze, bang, blow, as the kids say. But the thing is, until you see it with like a phantom camera shooting a thousand frames per second, you don't, we all take it for granted is where I'm going with this. We all take it for granted that there's stuff happening in the engine that we just, we gloss over. Like we don't really understand it. You can't see it because it's all in the valve covers. And at 3,500, 4,000 RPM, which is pretty fast for a diesel engine, those valves are moving so fast, like insanely fast, where you can't even see it with the naked eye. It looks like a hummingbird's uh, wings flying in your backyard. It's just right? all you see I mean, is a blur, right. literally, until you get on a phantom camera to slow it down. You can see it. Where I'm going with this is if anything gets in that valve's way, everything goes awry. Anything that doesn't allow the valve to seat properly just screws it all up fairly quickly. And, the, and, and so... This, you have a question? Stuff is, this stuff is really important. No, I really want to hit home the fact that like we just engines just do what they do, right? And most people never tear into them. And even mechanics usually aren't tearing into them and leaving them apart while they start them and look, you know, like you just can't grasp how fast they're moving. You know what I mean? That's a really long story. I just don't know how to get it out. How to like I'm so <laughs> passionate about it, but I can't articulate it. When you see it on a phantom camera and you're like, oh my God. I can barely see it even at a thousand frames a second. It's going up and down. Well, I think what you have to realize is is the lubrication system, obviously, along with the coolant system, are the are the heart of the engine. It's the blood, right? And the molecules. I mean, it comes down to the microscopic shape of molecules, and you think about viscosity changes over you know a huge temperature curve and how thin that sh that wall that's left behind before the next blast of oil comes in there that has to sit there and lubricate those parts that are, you know, metal to metal. It's just, it's, cr it's a crazy thing that engines do what they do. And they're so reliable today. You think about how many cars are out there with 500,000 miles on it and have the original engine, you know, you just have to take care of them. And part of taking care of it is making sure that you have the right lubrication, the right additive package in there. Kyle, take us through what are these additives? And I know that you can't reveal the secret, of course, but can you tell us how these additives help or in some cases with your competitors, hurt the issues. Yeah, and and, and I'll tell you the secret. We don't <laughs> we don't hide the secrets. That's uh 
uh, it's probably a bad company name for us, but um, we put it out there. And so, yeah, I'll give you a good example of, you know, some of the modern technology we use that the majority of the industry uses molly or or molybdenum. Um, It's a common anti-wear agent. It's a, it's been around for 40, 50 years. Uh, It's, it does a great job uh, protecting. And the problem with molly is, it's kind of like a place they slide on each other. So kind of like how a kid would shuffle cards on a, on a table by sliding them around. That's how Molly protects the two surfaces. But over time you kind of catch edges and it starts to break down. So your protection level decreases every single time you run that engine um, until the time you change the oil. Uh, The technology we use, we have a patented, it's called FR3. It's a friction reducer. Um, It's a carbon nanotechnology. So, Oh, and we're talking nano size. Uh, these can be smaller than a human cell. So they're to best describe it from to unnerd our tribologists, as I as I often do. It's really like a bunch of microscopic little BBs that are attracted to heat, so they find the hot spots, and they're polarized, so they're attracted to the metal, and they fill in any microscopic voids, or even on a new engine, you know, machining marks, to give a flat film layer, and that's how you build the best. Uh, lubricant base for a film strength. So it fills in all the voids, give you a f- flat film layer, and then we have a nano lubricant uh, that's patented to go on top. And that's how we reduce wear over 40% just adding our additive to any any oil out there. And of course, we also sell oil too that already has our FR3 lubricant in it. But yeah, it's just a different way of doing things. And uh, the the benefit over the Molly is that the carbon nanotechnology never breaks down. So you get the same protection day one as you do at the end of the interval. As a matter of fact, after you dump that oil, RFR3 stays bonded to the engine for, for some time after that and continues protection, even if you don't add it uh, on, say, the next oil change. So is this good for gas and diesel? And the reason I ask is a lot of people who we've talked about diesel inappropriateness on the show, a lot of people who have short trips or don't work the truck are realizing that some of these big block options like the 7.3 Godzilla motor or the 6.8 and the uh, new Ford Super Duty are a better option for how they use their truck. And they may be coming right. from a diesel product and they may be familiar with your product being used in that. Is is there a solution for the gas-powered guys as well? Absolutely. And, and you know, th- those two we've already named on, on the oil side, the uh, Stiction Eliminator and FR3, are good for both gas or diesel. Um, we use them on, on both sides of that. You know, it's really when you get on the fuel side, obviously, where, you know, you have diesel-specific and uh, gasoline-specific a- additives. But we're finding that a lot of the new turbos that you're seeing on the gas side, we've been playing that turbo game for a long time, the diesel side. And uh, specifically, you know, a turbo's got a little tiny bearing in it about the size of your thumbnail and it sits in a little puddle of oil when that oil flow gets cut off so it it very quickly you know it can get up to thousand degrees and it can very quickly can burn off that oil and leave that carbon deposit behind and then your turbo isn't spinning as well and that's why our oil additives clean that turbo bearing out uh so you you get all your power back well that's now translating over to the gas side a lot uh both with these larger engines that have tighter tolerances to make power as well as uh, you know the turbocharged smaller uh, smaller engines as well. Well, a lot of the turbocharged smaller engines are using diesel technology. They're direct injected turbocharging, right? So you guys have been dealing with direct injection and turbocharging on the truck side for a very long time. So I can see how you know some of those same drawbacks of a DI engine and blow by and some of the contamination of the oil also happens on the gas side of the house. And so I would imagine that you guys are 
are well prepared for that. The other thing for me is a lot of these modern engines. So, uh, for example, Lightning has a, a Ram TRX with a uh, blown 6.2, and I've got a Wrangler 392 with a normally aspirated 6.4. But like most modern engines, these things run hot, and they run hot because of emissions and, and more fuel burn. So you're looking at you know engine oil temps around 250, 260 is not uncommon, and you're looking at 230 or something like that on the coolant side, all that is going to do is break down that oil sooner. So in these modern engines that are running hotter and have the tighter tolerances, would you recommend, you know, those additives or which one would you recommend for people like us? Uh, Absolutely. I would. And, and here's the cool thing. The Stictional Illuminator actually has the FR3 infused into it. So you're going to get all the benefits of that nanolubricant in the Stictional Illuminator. Uh, where where it, that really shines is on the cleaning side. So if you've got some miles on the truck, uh, then it's good to run a, a dose of Stictional Illuminator in your oil to get everything cleaned out, and you're going to get that lubrication, uh, uh, extra lubrication from the FR3 um, with that. If you've got a newer truck right out of the gate, you can just start running FR3. You don't really need all the cleansing properties of the Stictional Eliminator. But what's great about that is, you know, you know, from birth, if you protect that engine, um, you're really extending the life. And we have a lot of lab studies to show from wear scar results that, uh, you know, we can reduce that wear over 40%. So if you start that day one on a new engine like that, you're effectively, you know, extending, you know, that the engine's life almost double, you know, by being able to reduce wear out of, from, from the start. What if you started around 11,000 miles, Kyle? Is that oddly, is that, wait, wait, wait. Is that you or is that me? Is that oddly specific? Wait a minute, because I it's have... both of us. Uh, yeah, because I have 10,300 on mine. Uh-huh. Oh, I beat you. Yeah. Oh, you? Yeah. you? What yeah, do you I have? I got like 11,300 on mine ha, I was I was trumping you by like 2,000. What happened? Where'd I, dri- you go? I drive mine. But where'd, I drive mine every single day. Ah, well. Where, where'd you go? Where'd you put on uh, the miles? Desert. Off-roading. Huh. I went to Arizona <laughs> a couple times. I was so proud that I thought I was ahead of you. No. Damn, I'm going to no. have to drive hey, to Vegas and back tonight. I, I, want, I want to say <laughs> I'm glad to hear you guys are uh, uh, Mopar guys, too. I got a I got a, a, a 6.1 Jeep SRT. Oh, uh, early one. Up. Yeah. It's my, it's my fun one, but it, it's down now. It's hurt, but uh, but yeah, I like, I like to hear what kind of cars you guys have. So I want to go through some of the products so people understand. The FR3 is either sold alone as the FR3 friction reducer, or it comes with distinction eliminator so you can buy it as a a combination right in one bottle or separate correct that's correct and it's also in every single one of our engine oils transmission fluids gear oils it really is our our patented uh you know anti-wear and you could it's got a lot more use than just that i know one of the things that we see in the diesel world we see in the, in the gas world as well is obviously these lifted trucks and big tires if you put a just about an ounce. You don't even need much. It's a 5% dose. So, you know, it's a little cap full in power steering. Man, it, it goes a long way in reducing the, the strain on the power steering pump. And it's a lot easier to wheel around these big, big tire trucks, too. So it's got a lot of uses like that. Uh, Holman, that's you. Yep, that definitely <laughs> is. That is you. So, and then take me through, what's TBN Booster? What is that? Is that turbo related? Oh wow, that's a that's a strange product. Uh, <laughs> okay, I can ignore it if you want. No, I like I like how Lightning pulls out the one strange product in your uh, in your portfolio. I, it was purple, and I needed to know more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you it, it. It is a strange one, but I'll I'll give you a quick example of what it is. Like I, my layman's terms of it, it's basically the really good stuff inside a really good oil. 
if you strip out all the base oil. So it's kind of like the Kool-Aid packet of some really uh, high-end oil. It's the it's, Kool-Aid uh, packet without con- the water. So he's talking about it's a concentrate. Yeah. That, yeah. So it, what it's used for is it, it's a third of our FR3 that we talked about. Uh, a third is a robust CK4 diesel package. And then the last third uh, is a TBN booster, which is total base number. That's kind of a measure of the detergents in your in, in your oil. So what we use that for is um, our long long interval drivers, like our over-the-road truckers. Uh, we've got trucks now running, you know, 150, 200,000 miles on an oil change. And in order to do that, you need to be running a bypass filter that cleans the oil regularly. And you have to have a special base oil that we use that doesn't shear or break down. And then that last part of the puzzle is you slowly deplete out these additive packages. So we do oil analysis on these trucks every 20,000 miles or so and spike up that additive package back up and keep them rolling. And it's uh, so it's a very unique product, but uh, that, that's what it is. Uh, so forgive my ignorance. What is a typical oil, uh, oil change interval for a big rig? Um, is it 20,000 miles? It really depends on the fleets. We have all sorts of different fleets that, I mean, go anywhere from 20. I'd say, I mean, if I were to get an average of the ones I know, they're usually around 50, um, 40 or 50. Wow. Uh, but we we see a lot higher than that, and then we see a lot lower than that. It really depends the type of oil you're using and uh, and really the service duty of the trucks, too. That changes a lot, of course. Now, when looking at, so, uh, you know, the stiction eliminator and so some of the, the you know, points that you have on here is that it, uh, you know, removes stiction and the sludge varnish from burnt oil, all of that. Would you recommend that doing it in like the new with an oil change or is it the last thousand miles before you do an oil change, you add it so that it breaks up all that stuff and then you get fresh oil in the vehicle? You put it in with fresh oil. That That's exactly what makes it unique. Again, it's only, it's made with group four, group five esters. So you're only going to improve the oil you're putting it in and improves the film strength it improves the lubricity of the uh, of the oil, and it does that while cleaning. And instead of using harsh abrasives that you know any other type of engine cleanout uses, like I said, it, it 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 rehydrates those old carbon deposits and turns them back to a liquid form. And so then they get slowly picked up in your oil filter, and ultimately when you change the oil, all of it comes out uh, with the spent oil, and you've got clean engine internals. I'm going to go sideways just for a second here because I stumbled on a page that I didn't realize that you had at uh, at hotshotsecret.com. You make RV products. And I know a lot of our listeners, it's Truck Podcast, but a lot of our listeners have RVs. I, I would imagine that there are all a host of issues because people don't drive their RV all year, right? It sits for six, nine months at a time. Maybe they take it out in the summer or the winter, depending on where they live. What are the issues with RVs and how have you solved them? Great question, and and this is something we're gonna we're really been focusing on. We're we got some more lines coming out, uh, marine and uh, motorcycle and power equipment. We're, we're we're taking the technology that we have. We have good products out there right now for gas and diesel. So if you've got a gas or diesel RV, you can use our standard gas and diesel products just fine. But what we did is we took them back to the lab to our tribologist, and we said. If you had a chance to formulate, say, this fuel additive over again, and you knew that the user was going to be putting it in an RV, would you change it at all? And that, you know, led us down to research on how these, you know, are used, and you and you nailed it. You, like you said, uh, these RVs travel for long distances and then stop and sit for long periods of time. Uh, so, for example, our fuel additives, both the gas and diesel RV fuel additives, 
um, are similar to our standard fuel additives, but the formula is tweaked for that application. We've increased the uh, fuel stability in there to extend it uh, longer. We add more uh, water dispersant than what we tr- traditionally put in because with the changing of the, uh, the seasons and the, and the travel, you can you build up a lot of water in the system. And, and the cleaning aspect, we need to keep those injectors clean. So we we have a we, we bump up the fuel system cleaner in there as well. So it's really just kind of dialing in the formula for that particular application to even have better success and performance with it. So I'm thinking, you know, going from driving for long distances and then being parked, and I'm even talking about being parked for a week at a campsite. I mean, being parked for four or five months on the side of the house until you have your next trip. I would imagine on the oil additives, you're doing something that keeps as much oil up by the pistons as possible, so it's easier to start and you don't get as much you know, friction from something that's been sitting there with oil down in the sump rather than in the you know in the it's the ultimate itself. cold start isn't it right i mean that's the the cold start i mean it's test. just metal on metal absolutely absolutely and you know another thing people don't think about often is um uh the oil stability you know because they'll say we only ran the rv two trips last year we put a thousand miles on it and it's been sitting there for a year well you, you know you introduce you know acids to the oil the first time you crank it on. So whether you put five, 10, a thousand miles on it, you started to introduce acids that will start to break down that oil. So if you park it, those acids don't care. They're still working on it. So maybe only a thousand miles on that oil, but it can start to oxidize uh, over time if it's been run. So um, keeping a good uh, oil stabilizer and fortifier in there um, is really important for that, that particular application where that's not needed so much on a vehicle that's, you know, a daily driver that you're running every day. So I'm going to change gears and go sideways now because I just found a product on there that I'm really excited about. <laughs> is this is this is a website like the gift that keeps giving? It is because the more you dig into, you're like, I didn't even know I needed you know, lube like, for that. It's like a mystery box. By the way, you can buy a mystery box <laughs> at OddShotSecret.com. Well, you can also buy uh, lubrication for your slide out on your RV too. I saw right? that. <laughs> so I was looking at the uh, CLP gun oil. So if you are a, mm-hmm. a shooter like I am. Um, you know, CLP is one of the best oils you can get for servicing, stripping, cleaning, and, and getting ready to go. Is CLP a brand name or a style of oil, a, a, a formulation? Uh, I believe it's a formulation. They Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but you guys have your own version of it, Nano Precision CLP, that has the FR3 in it, and that's what got me to raise my eyebrows because I went, could you imagine a tightly fitting slide to frame like on a staccato or something like that and having that FR3 on the slide, how nice that must be to be to uh, to shoot. Oh yeah, that's a great product. Yeah, we, we have a lot of products people don't know we make, but uh, but that's one that that often uh, doesn't get discovered right away. Uh, the CLP part that means uh, cleans cleaning lubrication and protection, there and that's a thing in the industry. A lot of the gun oils either do one of the three or two of the three, and some of the higher end gun oils do all three, and that's when you see CLP. We formulated that. We used that same nanocarbon technology that we use inside of a, a truck engine for, yeah, the sliding mechanisms of, of a firearm. And uh, we have some awesome testing with a, with a SWAT team that uh, showed a lot of uh, reduction in uh, jams. I, I know they had, we had, they had like an 82% reduction in their jams over the same type of uh, training exercise they, they do every, every week. The heat reduction 
on on multi fire. Well, prevents uh, rust and corrosion on on bluing, right? Yeah, and, and, and it can it won't damage any surface, so you can run it on all the surfaces, and it's odorless too, so it's good for hunters. Uh, you know, won't affect their hunting. When I like the uh, reducing powder and grind buildup, so like on a 1911, you can get you know you shoot enough rounds through there, and if you're using a dirtier powder or a cheaper ammo, it's almost cartoonish how s- slow your slide will come back. And so, you know, <laughs> right. I think this is something that, you know, allows you before you get the stovepipe because it's, you didn't clean that your notice- gun. It's that noticeable? Oh, you'll see your slide move like 50% slower than normal. Really? It's It'll barely push the next round through or it'll stovepipe and, and it doesn't move fast enough to eject the round. And so that's kind of how you know when it's dirty is when it does this really slow. But if you have something that is reducing powder and grime and then adds a, a, a coating of oil that stays with the metal then I can only imagine that the, your reliability of your pistol goes up quite quite a bit. Yeah, and you missed 1911. I have one myself, and I can I, I can tell audibly tell the difference. I can yeah. hear it as you said it starts to stick. So, and I've treated it with uh, with RCLP. It's it's pretty cool. I should I'll send you guys some to try out. Yep, send a double helping to Holman. I don't I don't own a firearm. <laughs> I wish I did. I'll I'll let you field strip my 1911, and then you can. Uh, are you, you going to teach me how oil. to do it? Sure. Okay. I'll do it. Hey, I've got a whopper of a question for you. So eliminate the Stiction Eliminator because we know that's the groundbreaking product that launched the company. What product would you say, other than that one, has surprised the most people? Like, oh my God, I can't believe this solves X. When you're talking to people like you're at UCC Ultimate Callout Challenger, you know, ODSS or National Hot Rod Diesel Association, you know, whatever. Where guys come up to you and go, this blah, 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 I can't believe it did this thing. What is the one product? Well, I, I could probably give you two. Okay. Uh, one for the uh, racing side, which is a very small community, and one for the everyday guy. The everyday guy is always our fuel additives. Um, and, and, and especially on the diesel side, uh, we have a great gasoline extreme uh, additive that we have out now that I, we get the same type of response from. And really, it's because it goes back to what you said. That, you know, there's a lot of snake oil on the market, and the fuel additives out there are pretty poor. And there's a there's a there's some good ones out there, but we kind of go crazy with the fuel additives and uh, max out what the EPA allows us um, uh, to put into these products. Uh, we use no fillers in anything, so uh, we have a lot of people that say, you know, they've tried additives before, they don't believe in them. Um, and, and we're always the, the first one that they actually see, felt, fixed a problem, um, kept them on the road, returned them on the road, raised their mile per gallon, felt more power, dynoed more power. And, uh, and in our industry, it's, it's almost like the, the bar is low. It's like the, the industry has ruined it so much that it's like, all you got to do is make some really good stuff and people will see it, you know? So we really focus on, 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 on making high quality products using the best ingredients. You know, we're not the cheapest out there and, and, but you know, it's, it's, and, and we believe it or not, we don't even, we have a smaller margin than most of the lubricant companies out there as well. So we are just using some really high end ingredients and, and new technology and, um, it works and, and people just are surprised because they just don't believe in it. I, I would um, say that your pricing is not unreasonable at all. Looking on the website direct, I don't know if you guys sell in any of the big box stores or any other retailers, but direct from your website, it doesn't seem unreasonable uh, for what you get. Yeah, and we're sold everywhere uh, all the auto parts stores, all your truck stops, farm stores, um, and uh, you know, sold online. And we have a big dealer network nationwide as well of independent dealers selling our products. 
So we're, we're getting widely available now. And I, I, I agree with you. I think we're very fairly priced uh, for the products we offer. But and if you really notice, uh, since we don't use filler in any of our products, and this is kind of kind of what stunned the growth of Hot Shots at, at the beginning. You know, when we are getting into retail, the retailers would tell Chris, our founder, that they wanted him to fill up the, the jug with a bunch of filler because, you know, if my customer's going to pay 20 bucks for a bottle of additive, I want him walking out with a gallon. That's what he wants. And Chris just refused to do it. And he turned down big contracts for a long time and until we started getting big enough that they were like, all right, come on, we'll, we'll take your little bottle, you know. And and we have a 16-ounce, our number one diesel out of uh, everyday diesel treatment is a 16-ounce bottle, and it treats 400 gallons of fuel. So a lot of times people don't look at the treat rate on these. And whereas there's competitor products that are two, three quart size bottles and they treat, you know, a hundred gallons. So uh, you really got to look uh, when you do the math on that, we're, we're very affordable. as <laughs> I like to say, I don't think people understand how potent some chemicals can be. And someone in our audience, I'm sure works for a gas company, but you know, how natural gas, when it comes, if you've got a gas leak in your house, you can smell it right away. I was, yeah, told, an additive. I, I was told that, yeah, it's an additive, correct. And I was told that it's like a single drop can do like 500 gallons of natural gas or 500 cubic feet or something, something like crazy. Just a single drop of this scent is so powerful. It got, it reminds me of what you're talking about with you. Just a thimble full of your additive can do an entire tank. So you're getting a, a lot of fill-ups for one of these 16-ounce bottles. Yeah, chemistry's crazy. I, I the, the guys in the lab blow my mind when I when I learn more and more about it. And I, I'll give you a, a perfect example. The our our EDT um, diesel treatment has six ingredients in it. It's got uh, injector cleaner, a cetane booster, lubricity additive, a stabilizer, a corrosion inhibitor, and a and a and a water dispersant. And we treat twenty five gallons with one ounce of product. And so it only takes one ounce to treat 25 gallons. And in each six of those categories, we're number one in the market on third-party testing. It's the highest etane boost. It's the most lubricity. It's it's the most uh, dispersion and stabilizer. And it just goes to show that if you use really good, you know, ingredients and you don't water them down, you can get a lot done with a little bit of product. And, uh, yeah, people are often surprised at how, how much uh, these treat rates you, know, you can really cover. I had a question about your, you brought up um, a water dispersant in the diesel uh, uh, fuel treatment. How, how does that work on in layman's terms? Because it can't really get rid of the water molecule and it, like, what does it do with it? Like, how does it, because sure. we, we all have like, you know, whether it's FAS or it's AirDog, you know, they have water separators, some work, some don't. Um, sure. How, do, how does it work on a chemical level? So on the diesel side, uh, pretty much every diesel has a water separator. The 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 fast and air dog units are additional, add on to that and help that system. There's two ways of of attacking the water issue in diesels. And diesels really develop a lot of water in the system. You got to be careful with that. You can use an emulsifier or a demulsifier. So in layman's terms, a emulsifier will encapsulate the water molecules, kind of break them up, and 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 allow them to pass through your fuel filter and get spent off, uh, you know, down, down the line. That's a, the cheaper way of doing things. It's a very inexpensive chemical that does that. We don't agree with that approach uh, because the pressure, the diesel fuel systems are under, I mean, you're talking 
up to 30,000 PSI at the rail there. And at that pressure, if you get water, uh, you can literally blow off the injector tip. Um, so we use a much more expensive way, but more proper way, we believe, which is a demulsifier. And what that does in layman's terms, it, it shocks the fuel and makes the water drop out of solution. So kind of like you see oil and water separate, that water now drops to the very bottom of the fuel tank, and that's where your, your water separator is. So rather than having to filter through the fuel to get the water, we're feeding the filter, uh, the separator, its water. Now, now, the different thing is for the gas side of things, like uh, our gasoline extreme product um, and our gas RVs products, uh, it's completely fine. You know, you don't have the same pressure that you have on in a diesel system. So we actually use the emulsifier in gasoline products because we want them to pass through. And you just, you know, it just it blows out, you know, easy and you burn them off. It's just like, you know, burning steam. So um, it's a lot easier to pass that. Okay. So can we give that to Lightning and make it easier for him to pass <laughs> things like steam? <laughs> I do, I'm doing that now. Can't you tell? Do you have a hot air emulsifier? <laughs> my head, my head will shrink if you get me one. Yes. Another thing I wanted to cover the uh, the EDT winter defense. We talked a little bit about storing your RV over you know the winter season or summer, depending on where you are. Talk to me about the winter defense. What does it do? So that product is just the winter version of our everyday diesel treatment. Um, so it has those same six components I named earlier um, that are really designed to treat the poor diesel fuel that we get from the pump. It's just awful and uh, brings oh, up the lubrication. So that's not a storage thing. That's because you get crappy fuel in the wintertime. Well, you get crappy fuel year-round. Yeah, I was going to say, diesel, it's, it's really easy to get a bad batch I, Dude, if you remember, it was summertime, the middle of summer, yeah. when I sucked up a couple of gallons of water. It was awful. Well, for me, I was looking yeah. at the the LX4 Lubricity Extreme because that is made specifically for the ultra-low sulfur, uh, sulfur diesel. And I would imagine yep. like that is a big deal for uh, adding back some of the things you don't get from the pump anymore. Oh, 100%. And, 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 and that's also what the, what the winter version is. It adds that seventh component of, of anti-gel to protect uh, you know, your diesel fuel from gelling. Um, that LX4 lubricant is one of those six ingredients. So that comes in that everyday treatment. It's kind of an all-in-one there. And that is vital. Like you, you know, like you said, you, it's really easy to get some bad diesel fuel, but the best diesel fuel you get from the pump is still bad. It's it doesn't have any lubricity in it at all, and um, I, that's what a lot of people don't understand. On on you know, if they're new to diesels, the you know we used to have a lot of sulfur in our diesel, and it's yep. a great lubricant fuel. And then the government mandated to remove ninety nine percent of the sulfur out of the diesel, and that was low sulfur diesel. And then they came back a few years later and said, nope. now you got to remove 9% of the remaining 1%. Yeah. Uh, we have ultra-low sulfur diesel. So there's just nothing protecting these fuel systems. And we've seen it with the uh, introduction of the CP4 pump that's been a yeah. class action lawsuit Huge with all the big issue three. across the uh, – oh, and, yeah. and by the way, a lot of people think, oh, it's just Gladiator, Ram, EcoDiesel. It's, or it's all just, CP4s. It's all CP4s. Yep. And yep. There's, a, there's a lot of guys online who are armchair engineers trying to solve the problem, whether you know additives will fix the issue or not. There's p people that are reverse engineering CP3s back on those vehicles because the CP3 was so reliable. Uh, you've got you yep. know uh, companies that have gone to Bosch and said, you have to fix this well bosch is so behind the ball on that there's people that are like a year out on their warranty because there just aren't enough parts because that pump is on so many stuff so many things and the other thing i was going to add is 
when people are comparing like European diesels to American diesels, their fuel is completely different than ours. And so there's a there's a different experience over there than than what we have to deal with over here. And I think that's you know obviously EVs is one of the reasons and emissions, but I think that's one of the reasons you saw a lot of the European diesels you know back out of the U.S. and the North American market is because the fuel over here sucks. So you absolutely nailed it, and that's the whole story behind the CP4. So they the CP3 was a great pump. It, you know Bosch made it. All the big three use it. Um, it's the same pump in all these trucks. They started introducing the CP4. Uh, manufacturers adopted them at different years. Um, I actually, it, it, Ram didn't do it till 2019 on the on the on the fifth gens, which I have a 2020 Ram, and I just I've been waiting a year for my CP3. It just finally got uh, recalled, got parts in. But what happened was Bosch created this new CP4 pump, and to answer your question of, of all the scientists out there, the armchair guys, there's truth on both sides of that. They, there's two ways they fail. Number one, they just have a bad roller rocker that is not basically anchored, and it can turn at any time, pretty much. And when these things fail, they shoot metal straight down the whole fuel system all oh, the way. To you're the you're talking about twenty thousand to twenty five thousand dollars in repairs because the entire fuel system and everything downstream, including the entire top end of the engine, has to be replaced because it's basically shoved shrapnel down the entire thing. And, yep. you know, my, my feeling is, you know, I've had people and listeners reach out to, to us and they've said, oh, should I add lubricant or not? You know, the, the Internet, as you will, is split on whether or not that is the right thing to do. My whole thing is, why not? You're not hurting anything. You know, yeah, that rocker well, design and it's well, bad, but you might as well. Well, I'll give you the best comparison that, that can give somebody some confidence in using a, a lubricant. The, the failure rate in Europe on the exact same trucks coming off the same lines, the same models and everything is less than 1% on their CP4 pumps. And that's what is considered a manufacturer defect. It means it's not really a problem. Those are the CP4s that are turning on that roller rocker. In America, we have a failure rate on CP4s between 7 and 8%. Wow, so it's a lot. That's very expensive. Here's the difference. European fuel has a wear scar uh, requirement of 360 microns, which means that's how much in a wear scar test it scrapes out of a, a metal from a lubricant protecting it. In America, we allow up to 420, even though the engine manufacturer of America recommends the 360 just like Europe. And that difference in that much drier of a fuel that allows that much more wear, that is the only difference between those trucks in Europe and those trucks in America so I would argue that it, it, you know that increased failure rate um, is from the the, the lubricity failure, um, uh, aside from just the roller rocker that happens about one percent on all of them. And who knows? So, it, uh, it might be ten percent if it weren't for the diesel community embracing additives. They it may you know instead of eight percent it might be ten because I guarantee you at least two percent of diesel owners are putting you know lubrication additives in that in that system. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we've talked through issues, we've talked through the chemicals, we've talked through the products. And the gun oil I'm going to get. Uh, and the gun oil that uh, the home is going to get. Yep. Let's talk through events. You swept freaking UCC. So everyone, yeah. all the guys that were running Hot Shot Secret, like basically won. Take us through Ultimate Callout Challenge. I want you, because some of our listeners don't really know what UCC is. So if you can just give us that snapshot and then move into like... How did you team up with all the winners 
And how do you take credit for Hotshot Secret having pushed all those up onto the podium? Well, you know, UCC is Ultimate Call Out Challenge once a year held in uh, uh, Indianapolis. And it's pretty much what we consider our, our Super Bowl of uh, diesels. And as, as you mentioned, uh, DPC kind of started the whole thing. It's kind of a triathlon. Uh, it's an invite only of uh, usually 20 to 30 of the, the baddest trucks out there. And they're kind of, uh, like I say, uh, they're kind of like uh, Swiss Army knives. You know, they're, they're not just drag cars or pulling trucks or dino monsters. You know, you kind of got to be good at all three. And it's a three-day event where they get points on the drag strip. And then the truck goes on a dyno. And then the third day they do a sled pull. And they gain points over those days. They crown an ultimate champion. And um, we've actually been fortunate in the hot shots that literally every single UCC champion uh, uh, has been a hot shot secret, uh, you know, sponsored racer. So, you know, starting with, you know, LeVon Miller when he repeated, as you mentioned earlier, and then let's see, and then there's Derek Rose. And I don't know. I uh, heard that you sponsor everyone. <laughs> we, we, we do sponsor a lot. You know, we've been fortunate. In this, uh, we, we came up on the, uh, diesel drag racing side. And, and you know what the cool part about it is it really, uh, it wasn't really where we were going. It, it, it really came from uh, uh, relationships when we were trying to do really high performance testing. And then some of these teams, these high performance teams saw that the gains they could make with our products and it turned out to be this great R and D relationship. So yeah, we get great publicity out of it and, you know, it's good for marketing and it's really exciting to work with these teams, but it really fuels our R and D and our product development. And our, our sponsored guys aren't just running our, our, our fluids, but they're, they're, they're testing, you know, a lot of uh, prototype fluids and helping us develop fluids that at the end um, or what we bottle for the everyday guy out there that's, you know, they can know the product's been tested at the highest level. So, uh, so yeah, so we've, we've had the UCC champ, uh, you know, since the beginning and, uh, and this year we, yeah, we swept one, two and three and it's awesome. Um, it was just a, it was just a, a, a really, if, if you, if you guys are ever going to go check out a diesel event, that's the one to go see. It's really cool. Uh, you mentioned earlier that some of your lubricants and additives were actually adding horsepower which I, th- I I think is maybe well, I think they not said hard to believe for someone, but if 5%, but independently verified, they're not making the claim, right? I mean, that's... No, 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 but I'm just saying that he mentioned it earlier. Yeah. That, so I, I'm trying to wrap my head around how that could be, and I'm just thinking, well, the piston can move faster through the cylinder. Le- less you know? resistance. And that could be, right. I don't know, what is the... You don't have to go on record or anything, but are we seeing sometimes one horsepower... 30 horsepower what have you seen and we're not going to hold you to it i'm just i'm just curious what you've bet or you've heard reported to you i i've i've heard and seen some really crazy stuff that i won't even say because it's 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 too hard to believe but generally when we when we have third party testing done on a dyno um with our fr3 we see a three to five percent increase in horsepower and that generally holds between um, you know, low horsepower to our top racers, you know, you know, running 3000 horsepower, you know, trucks. So that all started uh, with our relationship with LeVon Miller and Firepunk. And um, I think that's what we kind of mentioned last time we were on. And we were looking for some dyno testing on that FR3 product. This is probably seven, eight years ago now. And uh, um, we didn't know them from anybody. Again, we weren't even in motorsports. And turns out they were recommended to us a local 
place that had a dyno and we called them up, wanted to buy some dyno time. You know, obviously we're very close now. We laugh about that day. They were like, oh, here comes some snake oil company with some magic sauce. I can't wait to see what it does. And But we kind of surprised them that we gave it to them. We said, no, we want you to use your vehicles. And I and remember that that happening. And I remember the story behind that because that's yep. exactly right. They they were like, okay, buddy. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, this, this stuff actually works. Because, you know, to refresh our, our listeners, Hotshot Secret, well, it came from the hotshot industry, from, you know, driving trucks, towing loads across the country. To your point, not started in racing. You guys kind of found racing because the enthusiasts found you started using it on their trucks. And all of a sudden you went, wow, we've got these, you know, these built-in advocates over here and we haven't had to try very hard. Right. And, and, and here's what's kind of cool about where our history came from as well. So after we, you know, started getting into this motorsport stuff, and really dominating and, and people finding our product really quickly, you know, we were kind of challenged with this. We were being getting asked for developing a full blown racing oils. And it's like, man, that's, that's going a long way from, you know, semi trucks on the highway to high end racing oils. And what we did was uh, kind of how I mentioned earlier, how we got some of these big rigs that, you know, can go 150, 200,000 miles on an oil change. One of those aspects, aside from the TBN we talked about, is the base oil. And we use a very, very unique base oil. It's a group four uh, PAO. It's, called, it's a polyalpha olefin. So it's actually a true synthetic oil. It's a grade above what you know the world calls synthetic group three oils. And what makes that unique is it's a truly synthesized oil where we control the carbon chain in a lab so we can uh, make it identical and it can't break. All oils will start to shear out of grade. A group four will not shear. So that's why these big rigs can go that long. We have to clean the oil and we have to additize the oil, but the base oil itself will not shear. It will hold 1540 or whatever it is. And we've been using that technology for a long time. So when we got challenged to make a racing oil, we were unique in that we were in the racing industry. We got to take a whole different approach to it and came from a different angle. We use our FR3 technology and we use that same base oil because although these race trucks aren't, you know, running 100,000 miles, they shear oil in a quarter mile pass under 3,000 horsepower just as quick. So we use that base oil technology in our race oil so they don't shear the oil. Then we add our additive package with our FR3. And then you get into the stuff like everybody knows about zinc. And we run, you know, 3,000 parts per million of zinc and 1,000 parts per million antimony, of, which is a really great. Uh, zinc supercharger that most companies don't use because they just cost too much but and our racing oil costs a lot but it has the best ingredients in the world and it's been proven time and time and now we're getting really big in gas side of racing as well and who would ever thought we'd one day have the best racing oil in the world but that's where we are now so it all came from trucking and uh this uh entrance into motorsports speaking of trucking well first off Congratulations on the success. I think we, yeah, we, said, we said that first time, but in, on all honesty, we're, we're, we're truly happy for you. Appreciate you, that. You sponsor Big Rig Racing and Holman and I. Which is one of the raddest things you can ever go! watch. We yeah. want to go! How do we go? <laughs> Seriously, How? one of the most awesome things you can ever watch is the torque of a, a Class 8 diesel twisting the frame on a long-nosed Pete and having the stacks at like a 45-degree angle as they take off off the line, belching smoke and making all glorious diesel and turbo sounds. Yeah! Mr. Kyle Fisher, <laughs> can you get your boys, Lightning and Holman, to the Christmas tree at a big rig 
event. We want to stand between the trucks when they launch. How about the passenger seat? I can get you there. And, uh, and that's a wild Shut ride. Shut the front door. What? <laughs> no, no. But here's the catch, though. you you, you got to make it up to Onaway, Michigan. And it is up there. I mean, it is spitting distance from Canada. And that's where this racing came from. It's like Quebec-style racing. Once a year, Onaway, Michigan uh, has this big rig challenge that has become one of my favorite events. And like you said, there's nothing like seeing these big rigs. And you forgot a part of it. It's not just that these big rigs are drag racing. It's an uphill course. The end of the track goes straight uphill, and they're carrying two trailer fulls of 80,000 pounds of lumber. <laughs> it what? Banana. I mean, it is insane. It, 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 it's a cool event. You have to come. I'll be happy to host you. I've got plenty of drivers that I can get you in the passenger seat yeah, we and a ride out. Oh, my God. By the way, on a way, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. I've actually been further north than that because when I went to the uh, proving grounds with Dana, um, that was actually at, um, geez, all the way up in uh, Saint uh, Salt Saint Marie, I believe, and so that was literally uh, right on the border. Th- this is over by Cheboygan, so yeah, I think we could f- find our ways well, out what, there. What what time of year is that event? It's every year on uh, Memorial Day because it's it's actually the weekend before ultimate call-out challenge. So it's, it's been a rough two weeks for me the last few years doing those two events back, back to back. But, Man. uh, but yeah. Okay. It's, so you're talking May, April, May-ish next year in 24. Yep. All right. Holman, that's going on the yep. calendar. All right. Put it on the calendar. That, that's a must attend. <laughs> Don't let our friend Kyle down the way you let, uh, Sean Ramage and empire down. Let's get that in the calendar. Uh, it's going to go in the calendar <laughs> right after we hang up. Uh, I'm going to uh, go in your cupboard, steal some chocolate chip cookies, then come back here and put it on our calendar. By the way, the uh, chocolate chip cookies in the house are stale because my family's out of town and I haven't gone to the grocery store. I don't care. Stale cookies don't scare me. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, thank you very much for carving out uh, almost an hour with us. This is uh, super, super cool. You've got so many new products since last time we spoke with you. and um, Yeah, we love having you on, and I know we've been trying to get together on this for a little while now, so I'm glad we were able to put it all together because I think this is... Our listener love to hear the backside of, of these stories and, and, and like to hear from the company, like, why should I believe you? Why? How is this product going to affect my vehicle? And they want to do what's right. I mean, these car, these trucks are costing $100,000, and they don't want to just put anything in there. So having you on to kind of explain the backstory and, and, and make people feel at ease on how to keep their trucks lasting for a long time is, is awesome, and we really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on and um, look forward to coming back. Always have a good time with you guys. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. I got to say, I'm uh, I'm a little intrigued with uh, Hot Shot Secret. Uh, I'm excited about their uh, potential for gas engines and gas longevity. You know, I, I think if you use your diesel truck and you are working it and you are getting your EGTs up and your, you know, uh, DPF filter up and you're doing the normal regen because it's that's great. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many problems with people who get a, a HD diesel because they like diesel and they use it like a half ton gas truck and they drive five miles to work and they don't tow anything. Or I talk to it causes a lot of problems two with today's setup. Or two or three guys a week who do that who yeah. they uh, they'll tow a boat from a yard uh, to their house 
and it's like five miles. Or they go to Havasu twice like, a year. I, I'm in regen all the time. Yeah. My truck sucks. I'm like, no, bro, you, yeah. you need to drive your truck go for drive a minimum. drive up a hill with in a lower gear, for tow a, something. For half for an, an hour. hour. Yeah. That's what I always tell people. Is like, I've had friends who've called me, this, there's something wrong with my truck. And I'm like, tell me the situation. And it's just like, okay, go drive it for 30 minutes on the freeway. What? I'm like, yeah, that's that's what it takes. I tell people- Sorry, sir, but you've bought a caterpillar backhoe to dig a flower bed. There you go. It's too much truck for you. Well, and also I'm hearing Kyle's take on the CP4 and lubrication additives to uh, to you know assist with the longevity of that was good. It was nice to hear another point of view because I think there's a lot of people in the industry saying a lot of different things, and that was his point of view. One We're- of the other things that people have said to me, and which is not something that that Kyle pointed out. Is that the lift pump? If the lift pump sends air down the line, mm-hmm. you got the pump in the tank, right? Yeah. If it sends any air down the line, the air is not a lubricant. Yeah, of and course. So the CP4 relies on the lubricant in the diesel to, again, it's as a lubricant. Yeah. So the a- fact that he was talking a- about air, how air is not a lubricant. Right. Well, the fact that he was talking about even after the you know, the lubricant is gone, it still sticks and there's still some after effects. So you'd have to think that that would help in those situations where a, a pump sends something dry up or, or whatever. So yeah. anyway, I think it was a great conversation. I, I love those kind of uh, deeper dives on stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, what do you say we uh, get into some news? Hi. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! All right, that's good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Lightning, did you hear? I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. Nope. Uh, RV sales. That's funny that you say that. So what's weird is that last night I'm talking to Colin, who is Gail's son. Anyway, we're standing in the parking lot. And he's going on about, like, I think it's time for me to get an RV because we're working on something that I can't really talk about because it's under embargo. And he says, it's a great time. And I said, yes, it's a great time. I've been on all over Facebook Marketplace. All the RVs, whether the diesel pushers or the Ford gas V8s on the F53. All for sale. They're all for sale and they're all All going cheap. It's nuts. Because last year, the RV industry had, like, massive sales. And completely fell on its face this year. And I think part of it's inflation. I think part of it's gas prices. And I think part of it, you know, I think they're probably caught up on supply chain, but it's bad. So uh, the RV Industry Association, which is uh, known as RVIA, they, you know, published the numbers and things like that. So across the board, travel trailers have suffered the worst out of all of them, down 53.9% this year. So that's uh, towable and large fifth wheel campers, but they also break out fifth wheelers separately. 50.9% in just that group. Trailers with folding segments are down 31%, and uh, truck campers, including in the trailer group, uh, down 33.8%. So, to uh, kind of give you some context of what that's, you know, that's like at this time last year, they sold 228,740 RVs. Through this year, hundred and five thousand nine seventy-five. Ouch! Oof! Ouch! Now, I think all COVID created demand that was insanely unrealistic. So, 
Yeah, but then how does that explain last year? So I think people were still... Well, the, what they were doing is they were building to fill orders that were placed during Maybe. COVID. Maybe. Uh, so it says when it comes to motorhomes, class A, B, and C were down 17%, but the big boys, the big class A's were uh, 34.1%. And the class B van uh, RVs were down 29%. 5,500 class A rigs were sold through June uh, versus 8,340 last year. And the class B's had uh, uh, more buyers at 67.58. But that's down from 9,526. So anyway, here's the interesting thing, though. You get to the Class C motorhomes, and those are the van-based vehicles, but they're... Uh, are those up? They're up a, a small percent, 2.9% to be exact. So they're the most uh, popular ones in motorhomedom. Uh, they had 13,235 sales uh, this year versus 12,863 last year at this time. So uh, RVA doesn't say what the reason for the decline is, but uh, they actually believe that uh, consumer confidence is going to increase in the second half of the year and sales will rebound. That's a, hmm. that's a long way to rebound. I don't know if uh, they'll see the, uh, you know, last year's numbers. RV is interesting. I, I mean, in my automotive career, I think RVs have peaked three or four times and crashed three or four times. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Anyway, uh, Lightning, did you hear? No. Nope. Apparently Tesla is now trolling Ford. Uh, which is a little bit hilarious. You mean now Tesla or Elon? Because Elon, didn't he have a comment after the Ford F-150, they lowered their price or raised their price or something? He had something to say about it? Uh, look up at the uh, screen. It's uh, Tesla has a wrap on a Cybertruck that mimics a uh, F-150. So it's basically a photo of an F-150 overlaid on a Cybertruck. Look how weird that looks. <laughs> Oh, that is funny. You got it. Listen, it, it looks real though. It's look at how freaking nuts that is. It completely, completely hides the Cybertruck lines, except for that funky roof. It is so funny that <laughs> I, some of us like Tesla, like uh, Elon Musk. I don't know if Elon's behind this, of course, but some of us like him more and more, while a lot more people dislike him more no, and more. I, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I've met the guy, and he's he's the real deal, man. That dude thinks in 3D when you're with him. It's crazy. You're like, yeah, this guy's about 400,000 times smarter than me. Uh, anyway, I just thought this Cybertruck uh, prototype that has a full, like, photorealistic F-150 wrap on it is hilarious. <laughs> All right. Uh, lighting, did you hear? How about no? Nope. So continuing on with the uh, Cybertruck. Uh, uh, apparently... 1.9 million orders, and if all of those were to uh, come through, a five-year wait time. Wait, what? Wow. Uh, so anyway, that was from a- Wow, where am I? Hold on, the paper is That was still from a crowdsourced data tracker. So my number is, oh God, I can't even make RN112808. Anyway, Elon Musk said on a uh, earnings call uh, earlier in the week, that the demand for Cybertruck is, quote-unquote, so off the hook you can't even see the hook. <laughs> so I like him. Um, they pr they plan to produce 375,000 Cybertrucks a year at peak capacity. So I don't uh, – we'll see if that if that holds or not. Did that you just say like 300,000? 375,000. That's nuts because yeah. just, just to put that in perspective, there are – Roughly eighty thousand Duramax trucks made yeah. per year. So right. that gets that's just, that's just an engine, but right. just to give you some perspective there. I, I, again, it, it'll be interesting. Now, keep in mind the price hasn't been announced. So to put that in perspective, like didn't Toyota release over two hundred somewhere in the low two hundreds, two hundred thousand Tacomas last year? 
That's why I think that 375 is ambitious for an unproven product that isn't at its peak that doesn't have pricing yet. I yeah. think a lot of people like you put money down to say that they were a reservation holder and it was good for conversation at a bar. That's it was worth a hundred bucks for yeah. a conversation. I mean, do you ever get that money back? Is it refundable? Yeah, I believe, I think so. Hmm. I've already more than made my money on it. Just us talking about it on the show. No, they've made their money off of it. You haven't no, made right, anything. True. I made no interest. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, lighting. Did you hear? What? No. Nope. All right. So pricing has finally come out for the uh, 2024 Chevy Silverado HD ZR2 and the equivalent Sierra HD AT4X. Would you uh, care to think what the starting price of the heavy-duty Chevy ZR2 is? I'm going to say that truck is going to start at ninety, yeah, ninety-one. And what is the Sierra HD AT4X going to start at? The GMC equivalent of that ninety-seven. Then you're going to be uh, super happy because the Silverado HD ZR2 starts at seventy-one four ninety-five. Whoa! While the Sierra HD AT4X version is eighty-three six ninety-five. Okay, much lower than I expected. Well, like I said, huh. you're you're going to be happy. So, uh-huh. anyway, those were for the uh, trucks with the six point six liter gas engine, which you can get on those. Uh, you're going to ha- pay about ninety-five hundred bucks more if you uh, jump into uh, Duramax. Hmm. Maybe that's where I was thinking diesels we're gonna we're gonna start up a segment here at some point where we check in with you guys and get your review of your trucks and uh one of my buddies uh donnie emler who owns fmf flying machine factory they make exhaust pipes for dirt bikes just bought a uh, gmc denali ultimate and he it's his first diesel ever well we're gonna have uh, i want to get a a perspective of a guy who owns a diesel well and it's his first one but hold on so we also have rich from hollister Mm -hmm. bought that what f450 uh, diesel, mm-hmm. uh, and then also my buddy Mark. I really want to get him in here. He has a F two fifty Super Duty seven three gas truck that he tows up to eighteen thousand pounds with around town because he does construction. And he had like, and you know, he's he's weighing it all the time to go dump it at the dump and stuff like that. And he's had some transmission problems. So, oh really? I want to get him in here and talk about his experience with the truck because he tows way more than yeah. you should. With and that truck. we have a listener in New Mexico uh-huh. with a Nissan that we need to talk so, about. Anyway, so that's one of the things we're working on is is truck reviews from you. So uh, we're gonna get uh, get Ooh, those. Together. Wait a minute! I think you just came up with the title. Yeah, truck reviews from you. Let me write that down. Or truck, truck you reviews. No truck reviews from you. Truck reviews from you. Let's see if it works. You ready? Yeah. Truck review from you. Rolling coal and dragon truck nuts. But it's not rolling coal and no. dragon truck nuts. No. It's uh, it's uh, truck review from you. Um. What you like or what you would change? No, 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 no. no, no. no. It, it would be, uh, it would be. Um, Try it again. Here we go. Yeah. Truck review from you. What the hell did you buy that truck for? No, no. You don't cram oh, syllables oh, I got, I got in there. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Right, right. Yeah. Truck review from you. Would you buy that truck again? No. Yeah, would you buy that truck again? No, but that doesn't sound good. It sounds great. No. Okay, truck review Yeah. from you. Mm-hmm. Tell us why you'd buy that truck again or wouldn't. <laughs> no. All right, well, You're not a songwriter. All right, we, we, 
<laughs> I'm actually a writer. Okay. No You're writer. not a songwriter. I can do it. No, you just can't. We're doing it on the air and this right. is in the middle of a segment. Then now you're off to the start. I'm willing to uh, bastardize that jingle for, for the sake of this new All segment. All right. Well, then we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, All right. Maybe our listeners, podcast at gmail.com, have a, uh, a better idea. But I will. Basically, it's real world truck reviews from you. Sing it. Sing it to us. No, that's horrible. Don't do that. No, no. I'm saying, what would you like us to... No. Anyway, don't worry about it. We'll at some point, some yeah, we, get, we, we get paid the big bucks. Buddy, shut up. Have you heard? Jingles. No. No. So apparently, according to our friends over at TFL Truck, uh, the 2025 Ram 1500 was spied. And uh, I guess from one of their, uh, their readers. Uh, and they got some pretty interesting photos. One of the photos was the hood up. And uh, as uh, we have uh, said... Basically, should confirm that the uh, Hurricane Straight Six is coming to the Ram. Do you have a photo? Can I see it? Uh, it's uh, on the screen. See, there's the engine up, mm-hmm. and that's the Hurricane Shroud on it. Sure is. So uh, uh, they mentioned that the shots uh, they're taken from afar, so there's no interior shots. But um, it pretty much you kind of know what it's going to look like because Ram teased the 1500 Rev interior. Um, so, uh, anyway, it'll be interesting. Uh, but I, I think this, the, you know, we've known for a while that, uh, the Ram engine lineup was going to change. There was a three, six, uh, Pentastar V6 or the five, seven Hemi and the half ton. The V6 was uh, 305 horsepower while the uh, Hemi was 395. And then you could also get uh, e-torque with that. But the new hurricane should be lots and lots of power. The six cylinder is 420 horsepower. Uh, in the standard trim, so that already is is more than the Hemi. The high output model, which is the one that I drove in the Grand Wagoneer uh, on Route 66 last summer, that's 510 horse and 500 pound feet of torque. And I'll tell you that thing, other than sounding like nothing because it's quiet, right. which is a little bit sad. It's great in a Grand Wagoneer, might not be great in a truck. That thing is freaking phenomenal in terms of torque and drivability, and I think it's going to be a great truck engine. Any lag? Not no, because it. That truck, I believe, there it's a twin turbo, but it's not a sequential. There's one turbo that's small for each three cylinders, so they treat it as like uh, turbos for each bank. Gotcha. So they spool up really fast. Gotcha. So Smart. Okay. I, I I like that a lot. Our experience in the Grand Wagoneer was great, and I you know other than missing the V8, which is going to suck in terms of horsepower, acceleration, drivability, and a fat fat torque curve. I think you know Gonderman and I did. I think we did the quarter at 101 in like 12.99 or something like that. Like, like, yeah. But it was with like 500 pounds of ammo and fireworks and our luggage in the back <laughs> and on a 95 degree day. And uh, we were able to. Tell me you happen. set the fireworks off as you're doing the quarter mile. We were in Oklahoma, so it was legal there. Okay. All right. Good. Leave that there. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No way. Nope. According to uh, sources, the 24 GMC Canyon, which is uh, the second model year for the uh, the third generation truck and probably one of the best uh, looking trucks on the market, period. I really like it. Uh, they're expanding the availability of the bigger 11-inch driver information center. So if you are going to order a 2024, uh, you might want to wait because now they're going to offer it on the AT4 package. Where, but 2023, the uh, GMC Canyon Elevation and AT4 we're equipped with the eight-inch screen, and that eleven-inch screen makes a lot of difference, and it's uh, it's really nice. So, so if you're looking for uh, the Canon, it might be worth it if you like technology to uh, to wait a year. There's going to be a couple other tweaks we hear about, uh, but nothing definitive yet. Hey Holman, have you heard? Uh, probably not. 
Okay. Well, the uh, there's a group of archaeologists that have teamed up with Ford, and they've got themselves a Ford Ranger Platinum Edition, and they're embarking on a, well, an odd mission. They're in search of human remains that are said to be a million years old. The very first humans to inhabit Europe. And in this Ford, they're headed out to an archaeological site called uh, Sierra de Atupuerca, which is located uh, near Burgos in northern Spain. Are you just making up? Uh, these are real words that I'm reading to you. No, are you I'm sure? No, I'm pretty sure these are real. I guess each year, a number of archaeological experts uh, from around the world converge on this area, and they do excavations in various places, and they're looking for these remains, and they're hoping to find... A one million year old uh, skeleton or whatever is left of some old dude. Quote, the deposits of the Sierra del Atapuerca are in the foothills of the uh, Sierra de la Demanda. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. So a 4x4 vehicle with its unique characteristics of the Ford Ranger is essential to be able to help us excavate, said Patricia Martinez, who handles communications for the Atapuerca Foundation. So anyway, Ford is out there trying to help uh, people find... Old million, people. Yeah, really, in, uh, really, really old truck. people. Yeah. Fascinating. Lighting. Hey, lighting, did you hear? <laughs> no. No. So if you remember, uh, we've had uh, Jim Studi from uh, the Friends of Oceano Dunes on the podcast before to talk about uh, Pismo Beach, which is the last place in California where you could actually drive a vehicle on the beach, something that was allowed for a long time all over the state. And it was the last bastion and freaking California Coastal Commission what a bunch of freaking a-holes, and yeah, I said it. They have been trying to remove motorized recreation from the beach for decades. And Friends of Oceano Dunes have been fighting the good fight. Uh, there's another uh, lawsuit that was also filed uh, with SEMA in Ecologic to protect motor, uh, motorized recreation. So yes, the uh, California Coastal Commission had uh, voted to close Oceano Dunes State Vehicular Recreation Area, which is an amazing spot. Uh, something that's been loved by people from uh, from all over. No, they should be booed. Freaking California Coastal Commission has, uh, they think they have all the power in the world. Uh, it is a, a bogus organization that hates fun. I have battled with them. It is fun sponges. Like legitimately, and, yeah. my clothing store, we weren't able to put a sign on the back of our building which faced the main boulevard because it faced the ocean and it was within like an eighth mile and they don't allow signs to face the ocean. Because you might wake up the sea lions or something. Nautical reason or something. It was so ridiculous yeah. and it was super detrimental to starting a new business because it was the main dragon and we could see where our store was. It, it, just, it was just all anyway. The whole thing. It got the, too much power. Yeah, if you Google them and just put, I hate the Coastal Commission, it'll come up with all sorts of stuff. Why you should also hate them. Anyway, long story short, check this out. From the press release from Oceano Dunes, uh, huge victory for OHV Recreation. The San Luis Obispo County Superior Court ruled that the California Coastal Commission does not have the authority under state law to ban all OHV at Oceano Dunes. So the uh, court ruling covered four lawsuits, three that were brought by Friends of Oceano Dunes and the one from Ecologic Partners, which I think was also in conjunction with SEMA. The court made clear that if the Coastal Commission wants to attempt to ban OHV recreation of the park, it has to convince uh, the San Luis Obispo County to amend its local coastal plan or compel the state legislature to change the county's local uh, coastal plan. 
And the friends argued that the local coastal plan only authorized the county, not the Coastal Commission, to close the park. And even then, the closure may only be temporary. The court agreed with that analysis and agreed that the commission's effort to ban OHV unlawfully attempted to amend the county's plan in violation of the Coastal Act. And the court also ruled in favor of friends' argument that, that the commission failed to comply with the California Environmental Quality Act because it failed to do a proper traffic impact analysis when it decided to close Pier Avenue as a vehicle access point to the beach. As a result, the court overturned the Coastal Commission's March 2021 amendment to the permit that attempted to end all OHV at Oceano Dunes. So the ban will not go into effect and Pier Avenue beach access will not be closed. This victory protects jobs and local businesses and a study show that Oceano Dunes visitors from outside San Luis Obispo County generated a total uh, economic impact in 2019 of $500 million. Wow. So if you want to be a part of an organization that's fighting for your access, whether you're in California or not, because remember, the, it's spreading to you. You think you're insulated because every all the crazy stuff happens here, but we're like the test ground for it, and it's coming your way. So if you want to support these guys, uh, or you want to read more about the lawsuit or what happened, go to oceanodunes.org. They are a 501c3 charity. Friends is a, a grassroots volunteer organization, represents about 28,000 members and users of Oceano Dunes SVRA. So anyway, that's that's huge. The fact that we had them on the, the uh, podcast uh, a couple years ago probably now. And they to, won. And, and they won, and we're just bringing it up to speed. So yeah. just, uh, Why can't we be like uh, Daytona Beach where you can just do whatever you want on the sand? You know what I'm saying? Uh, because we are where yeah. we are. Yeah, we're California. Mm-hmm. Hey, Holman, what time is it? Email time. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. <laughs> So Holman is across the table from me, and he is uh, doling out the email, which he has uh, gone through in advance, picking out ones that uh, hopefully will blast me, as he is good at doing. The first one is from uh, Ray, also known as RB. Amsoil, quick question is the subject line. Lightning, I just watched the Amsoil video part one with Gail Banks, where he toured the production facility. Great video, very interesting and satisfying to watch. Can you explain why some of the labels, product awards and advertisements show Amsoil with a Z, and now all I see is Amsoil with an S? That seems an unusual event to change one letter in a product name Got to be a good story behind that. Thanks, Ray. Well, it is. As a matter of fact, so it started as Amsoil. So Al Amatuzio with a Z. That's why he called it Amsoil because his name was Amatuzio. But then, well, originally it was Amoil when he was doing it for the military engines. It was Amoil. It was Amoil yes, in 1970. Yes. And then people started calling it Amsoil. Like Am Apostle, like it owned because like, right? it was Amatuzio. So right. then in seventy one, he changed it to Am's Oil with a Z for That's his correct. name. Correct. And then and guess then... what? Pennzoil said, "Ah ah ah, can't have a Z. You can't have a Z." So rather than fight the behemoth that is Pennzoil, he changed it to an S. There so you go. There's your answer. I got this one from uh, Sammy Max says. Uh, when will the all-new, in quotes, 2024 Wrangler Circle Jerk end? Ooh, this is a good one. Mm. Gentlemen, we're all adults here. Can we just shoot straight with each other? First, full disclosure, I've daily driven a 2015 two-door Wrangler Willie since new, and I love it. 
Uh, that said, I'm getting sick and tired. Wait a minute. Stop, stop, stop. This is a Wrangler owner enthusiast bashing, bashing us for being homers. No, of no, being... no, not bashing us. Just saying in general. That said, I'm getting sick and tired of folks in the media forums talking about the 24 Jeep Wrangler like it's some kind of vastly improved vehicle and that everyone over Jeep should get a big pat on the back. Yes, they made incremental improvements in some areas. Congratulations. <laughs> I like how you interpret how we well, I mean, That's this. basically how it looks oh, when okay. he writes it. Uh, but speaking for myself, they lost a lot of goodwill when they released the 392 after telling us for a decade that they just gosh darn couldn't get a V8 to fit no matter how hard their best engineers tried. Ever since then, it's become increasingly clear that don't forget to ask your doctor about Stellantis is being propped up by squeezing every cent they can from Jeep and Ram in the community. It's sad and pathetic. I feel bad for our friend Jim is no doubt caught in the middle. Here are some unfiltered stream of conscious reactions I've had to some things I've heard. Okay. First of all, uh, there's no goodwill lost for the 392 at all. And when Tim Kaniskis was the Hellcat everything guy, he was at Jeep for a year or, or a little longer. It was his pet project to make it fit. We knew it fit because AV put them in Jeeps and along with a bunch of other companies. Uh, America's Most Wanted, right? America's Most Wanted. And, and Tom's 4x4 Superstore. And uh, I, there's a bunch of them. Dakota Customs, I think, was another one. Burnsville. Anyway, so we knew it fit. So the issue was, is it going to fit and and everything work to OE standards for cooling and crash and all that? So long story short, Kaniskas came in. He made his pr- uh, pet project. It was called the J9. That became the 392. I don't think anybody's mad about 392 coming out. So I don't go with that. This whole thing uh, goes on to say, new grill because winch. Um, I call bullshit. That seems aggressive. Wait, wait, it's a new grill because winch? Right. If it were a special grill to delineate the factory-equipped winch option, then cool. But no, they changed the grill in the entire lineup because a winch might be optioned on a high trim level. Give me a break. Why can't they just say it looks better? I actually think it looks great. It's more sophisticated and generally fits the overall vehicle design in a way the old grill didn't. Okay, well, I will call bullshit right back at you. Uh, the way these things work is, yes, if you look at a AV uh, package, so like the 20th anniversary uh, level two, it has it's the only 23 that has the new grill on it. And if you know, like on my AV build, the winch, the back of a Xeon, touches the bottom of the grill. When you look at the 20th anniversary edition, the grill is actually an inch and a half or so taller, and it clears the back of the winch. Now, you have to understand, they're not going to make 20 different grills for vehicles that have winch, don't have winch, this, that. They change the colors and, and maybe the, the inserts and stuff, but the grill's the same. So they're not going to make... That mold charge one. would be astronomical. Yeah. So the fact is that the new grill has more airflow, so better for 392 and things like that. It has more uh, clearance for the winch, and you have to remember, now the winch isn't just a Mopar dealer accessory add-on. The winch is now something you can order from the factory. So they have to have a grill that clears that, so it's going to go on all the trims, even though only a portion of them might be optioned for the winch. So uh, to your point, yeah, there's people who are 50-50. Some think it looks better. I like it. Um, I actually kind of thought well, maybe it might be cool to put that winch on oh, or that grill on mine. You, you want to retrofit it. Well, the reason is, and it's a direct uh, swap, so there's nothing different. You slide it right in. The reason is it has more airflow. So, you know, 392, me going in the desert, I think there's a functional improvement with it as well. And uh, yeah, anyway, so he continues. New interior technology. Wow, you slapped a big ugly tablet on the dash. So cool. Yeah, don't bother changing anything else on the center console. No one will think the display sticks out like an aftermarket bolt-on. Add more aux switches to compete with Bronco. Make the front locker individually selectable. Why bother, I guess. 
Uh, okay, sure, whatever. I think the interior looks great. They actually gave you a really amazing screen, and I knew this was coming when I bought my 23, and the changes, to your point, weren't enough for me to want to wait for a 24, but I drove the 24s, and there are a lot of really nice improvements, including that big screen that has a lot of great features. More auxiliary switches, that is my one of my number, you know, well, let's call it my top five things that I've told Jeep that I'd like to see. Is I think four is not enough, so to your point, I agree. Make the front locker individually selectable. Mm, that that gets into lowest common denominator use cases and warranty and things like that because there's a time to use it, time not. There's education that has to go with it. Uh, people can blow up the front locker, and then now they have a big warranty cost. So they got to think of all that kind of stuff. New huge towing capacity. Literally in quotes with the exclamation. So He's I'm not still going. He's there's yeah. a lot of vitriol in there's this a lot. email. Wow, thanks for looking out for the little guy. I might want to tow more with his Wrangler Sport. Oh, wait, it's only available on the Rubicon, which has an MSRP. What now? Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, two liter and three six only get the full float, um, and it's five thousand from uh-huh. thirty five hundred three ninety two, still thirty five hundred pounds. Uh-huh. Whatever. New safety and quiet refinements. New power seats. New wheels. New more expensive to replace windshield with integrated antenna. Uh, this literally should have just been done without telling anyone about it. This is like wanting credit for spelling your name correctly on an exam. They should have just simply let the Jeep community uncover these new features for themselves to keep up appearances that Jeep is a humble and understated brand that rewards the loyal. Instead, they patronize us like bro par idiots. Wait, wait, hold on a That's second. Kind of Their job is to sell yeah. vehicles. This you understand? A, this is a multi-global corporation that has like that marketing. Is, so you want them to just roll yeah. things out without telling anyone? Yeah, everything's an Easter egg. Sorry, it doesn't work that way in corporate world. There, there's listen. This Jeep is not a hobby project right. for somebody. Exactly. There, there's something that is what you think. Or what you feel, or what you nostalgize—if that's a word of what something sure, is. Nostalgize, sure, and then, whatever. And then there is the reality of what yeah. it's actually like to build a vehicle. Yeah. Listen, I've said it before on the podcast. If somebody came to you and said, "Let's build a convertible vehicle that the doors come off, it can crawl at one mile an hour over things without scraping, and drive seventy miles down the freeway with adaptive cruise control, and you know Android Auto and CarPlay playing on your stereo, and it passes all the crash things," and it, it, the windshield folds down and has a winch. You'd be like, no, that's stupid. Nobody's going to make that thing. Yet. Except for Bronco. We, we have Bronco and <laughs> Wrangler. No, I mean, the windshield doesn't fold down the Bronco. And the oh, yeah, are yeah, stupid. But anyway, um, but the point being is, like, if you looked at all the things a Wrangler is, what it takes to build that vehicle and get it to go through all the crash and federal standards and all the things, like, just freaking be happy. Anyway, he says, the thing is, all the above would have been quickly forgiven had they done something truly exciting like release the new inline six hurricane engine. But no, we will continue to be strung along. I swear to God, if the hurricane becomes a performance model only option or they try to claim it's too big of a failing Ranger, Wrangler, I'm done. Well, here's the deal. It doesn't fit. You have to extend the nose like four inches and it throws everything off. So I wouldn't expect the uh the straight six to make it to Wrangler. Right. Not not in the jail platform. You might as well just put a Cummins 6BT in there while you're at it. Yeah. It's just, it, it it doesn't fit. Sorry. A V8 fits in the in the space. A straight six is, is long. And uh, you might not want to hear that, but when I had uh, talked to a friend within the Empire, I said, so when's the hurricane coming? He goes, it's in there now. It's just for a four-cylinder hurricane. And I went, <laughs> okay, touche. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sammy Max says, uh, uh, thanks for listening. Had to vent these thoughts somewhere. I appreciate having a safe space for my ramblings. Keep up the great work. So, all right, well. Uh, oh, wait, wait, he complimented us at the end. Uh, nice. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So Samuel McCutcheon goes by Sammy Mack on his, uh, on his uh, email. Uh, dude, just, uh, you know, hopefully we explained it and it makes sense, but uh, the automotive world is not all rainbows and unicorns. There is a corporate 
essence to it that, you know, has to happen. So. Yeah. Maybe don't drink so much Haterade next time. <laughs> This one's from uh, Nicholas Satano. Hey, guys, I know Lightning is dying for a black license plate, so I thought I'd share something cool we have in Wisconsin. We have collaborations with the Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers, Harley-Davidson, and now Road America for cool license plate options. Road America is a legendary four-mile road course that is arguably one of, if not the best tracks in America. It combines 14 unique turns and multiple elevation changes to challenge even the best drivers. If you ever find yourself in Wisconsin, you should check it out. Anyway, I obviously love the track and jumped at the opportunity to show my support. Plus, a black plate on a white vehicle just looks good. Also, I sent the email below so you can read it on the podcast, but I never received any stickers. What gives lightning? Keep up the great work. Yeah, buddy. And five stars. Yeah, buddy. Five star review. Five stars. Thank you for that, Nick. I got one here from Brian who uh, emails us from time to time. Lightning Holman with the recent release of the GM HD Off-Road Twins, Chevy Silverado HD ZR2, and GMC Sierra HD AT4X. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on your favorite HD Off-Road truck from the big three. Please rank the following most favorite to least favorite. Here's the caveat, though. No diesel engines, gas V8s only. The unfortunate reality is I'm a firm believer that diesel inappropriateness exists. So here we go. Please rank in order most favorite to least favorite. Ford Super Duty Tremor with the 7.3 Godzilla V8, Ram 2500 Rebel with the 6.4 Hemi, or Chevy HD ZR2 GMC HD AT4X. I'm stuck because I wish I could take the 7.3 V8 and 10-speed trans on the Super Duty, combine it with the exterior and interior styling of the Ram, and throw it on the Multimatic DSSV shocks from the GM trucks. Keep up the great work. Continued success with TSP and the pod shed. And congratulations on now having your own independent program. Five stars. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. Brian from PA, and he says, uh, soon to be trading my 2017 Nissan Titan XD with 195,000 miles for one of the uh, HD trucks mentioned above. So it looks like he needs a little bit more truck uh, than his XD, but he got good life out of it. Brian, I'd actually love for you to email us back because we are working on our review of regular listeners uh, who drive trucks. I'd love to hear what your 195,000 miles with your uh, Nissan XD was all about, but... Um, so he's talking about the Ford 7.3, the Ram 6.4, yep. and the GM 6.6. He said right? it exactly in the order that I would do it. The right. Ford 7.3 Tremor is phenomenal. Uh, I think that's the best looking truck. I think it rides great. There's a lot of stuff you get with it, 35s, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I would get that truck, and uh, I would change the shocks because uh, it's got a big bore uh, twin tube on it. I would go to Bill Stein, I'd change the shocks on the truck, and I wouldn't change another thing. I'd go enjoy it because you can get the factory winch option on it and uh, you get the locker on it and the interior styling's nice. It's pretty understated on the outside. It's got, I think, the black wheels and the blacked out grill, which looks nice. That truck on their blue or that metallic red color is phenomenal. So that's my favorite. Um, that 7.3 gas is just a beast. Uh, I really enjoy that engine a lot. The Ram 2500 Rebel, I struggle with a little bit. I love the Ram interior. I love the Ram platform in general. The thing I don't like about the Rebel, and keep in mind, I drove a uh, Rebel HD diesel, and so that may change this, but it rode like ass, and it had 20-inch wheels and 80 PSI, and it just beat the crap out of you on the trails. Um, I would like to see them, and they have talked about it, doing a 18-inch wheel option on that. Mm-hmm. I think it would make it a, a gazillion times better, and I think with the 6.4 Hemi, it also uh, rides a lot better. Not all that weight and spring right under the front. But either case would still be my second place. And then last... Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to interrupt you here. Here's a weird thing with a Ram 6.4. Uh-huh. Really 
popular with pedal monsters. Okay. So and? they're that, so people are ordering pedal monsters, throttle yeah. controllers to fix something on the 64 and they're not really trying to fix the same issue with the 73. Okay. So it's laggy is what I'm saying, which well, is weird. It's not, it's not laggy. It doesn't have a turbo. These are all yes. naturally aspirated no, gas engines. No, that's no, dude, I'm telling no, you. No, there's pedal latency. And then the last one is the Chevy HD 02 GMC HD AT4X. Um, here's where I'm at on that one. I haven't driven the HD ZR2 or AT4X yet, but uh, I hate the 6.6. I think it's a dog of an engine and I'm not impressed by it. Although I really like the truck. Uh, I love the Multimatics. I love the new interior. Um, and it's a really nice truck, but, uh, I kind of feel like, and I, again, I haven't driven it yet. I hope the DSSVs make all the difference. That truck, I have driven a six, six gas, heavy duty, non DSSV truck. And I thought it rode awful. I thought for IFS, it rode worse than the uh, solid axle trucks and it just wasn't impressive. So until I drive that, I, uh, will say this is my order, but I reserve the opportunity to change that at any time. Frontier spotting from Richard Keegan. Finally got one from the cab of my truck, and it's not the company truck. Keep up the great work and five stars, and it is a photograph of a Frontier. So, Richard, I'm going to be sending you some uh, Truck Show Podcast stickers. That's uh, Thank you for shooting the, uh, the Frontier. That's still going, by the way. I sent another batch uh, late last week, so there's some more stickers going out. If you see a Nissan Frontier out of uh, side windows, windshield, shoot it. Send it to us, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, home at truckshowpodcast.com, or truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Whatever you please, send it to us, and I'll send you some stickers. Our buddy Lars uh, sends this one. He says, hey, guys, I'm behind a few episodes because of some summer holidays, but I just noticed two podcasts from June 18th. What happened there? So he sends us the screenshot, and it has uh, basically episode 25 and episode 24, both show June 18th. Um, so there was some hiccup in our hosting service, and for some reason... It had an incorrect launch date on it, um, and the stats on that one are messed up. And so there's, it's just some weird back-end deal, and that's why. But I guarantee you they both came out on a regular Monday because I put them up. Another one, Frontier Spotting from Zach Morehouse. My neighbor purchased a Frontier SV recently, which goes along with my 2021 Titan, formerly driving a 2017 Titan XD. And there it is, another Titan. So, Zach Stickers to you, my friend. All right, I got this question from Dave Ingwood, and uh, he says, Hey, guys, I got hooked on your podcast about three years ago, and since then I blew backwards through all your episodes until I ran out. Now I have to wait till Monday, probably like a lot of your listeners. Keep up the great work. So here's my deal. I have a 2004 Tahoe that I upgraded with wheels, tires, leveling kit, and Bilstein 5100s, a 2004 stock height Silverado 2500 HD 6-liter four-wheel drive with 5100 stow rig. A 2004 two-wheel drive Dodge Ram 5.7 SLT standard cab with a Magoy's 2.4 lowering kit uh, with the 4600 series Bilsteins. I'm only letting you know about my other vehicles because I am a Bilstein believer and have upgraded from other aftermarket shocks to the Bilsteins. When you can make a purchase for your rig and notice substantial improvements, it's always an awesome feeling. So anyway, to my question... I'm rebuilding the suspension on my 2005 Silverado two-wheel drive standard cab 5.3 and installing the Belltech 2.3 kit. Uh, that's the part uh, 653, the one without the shocks, I'm hoping. How do I determine which shocks I need for this application? Basically, just a two-inch drop spindle with the stock springs uh, and A-arms. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your podcast, guys. He says, P.S., 
Lighting, I was a big car stereo guy from Portland, Oregon, starting in the early 80s as a box boy at age 14 guy, installing at age 16 until the 90s, and then going to work for Phoenix Gold. It's great to hear some of the names of folks from that era. And he says, uh, Phoenix you guys, Gold. Yeah. You That's guys a, that was a great name. Good cables, good connectors. All of it. Yeah. All right. So uh, here's the deal. I did a little research for you, and we reached out to, uh, to our friends over at Bill Stein, and they were more than happy to uh, help out. So apparently, they have everything you need. So from Bill Stein, uh, they gave the part number 24029025 is a stock shock. It's a, uh, The rear is a cross-reference to match the yellow color. It's from an FJ40, but will work great. That's the uh, 24002585. He said the rear will need bushing and sleeves replaced because I think it's a T or a crossbar on the top of the shock. And so they actually sell those uh, bar uh, all push vulcanized rubber ready to be pushed in your shock. Really? You can get uh, four pieces. Uh, you'll need four pieces of each. Uh, E4-B46-601R1 and a 2202G. So I you can just imagine trying to pause and rewind yeah, this yeah, right. over well, and over again. Uh, well, I'm doing this for him and not everybody wants it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, or you can just email me and, uh, and I'll send you the stuff. But the, the point whole, is... Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Yeah, so the point is that they've got the uh, the part numbers that will work on that kit and that truck. Uh, it may not show up that way in their application guide, but the valving and all that stuff's close enough and they've got the parts to change from a uh, to an eye to a, uh, a bar. So awesome. anyway, you've got, uh, you got options, Dave. This one from uh, Josh Cullen. Love the show, guys. Saw this awesome Nissan hardbody truck with a sunroom porch mezzanine level on the back. Probably not factory equipped. What is this? Josh, thank you uh, for this photo. Dude, that's cool. Uh, somebody built a complete structure on the back of their uh, frontier. <laughs> it looks like uh, if you're going to build a... Um, Treehouse. Treehouse. That's exactly right. A treehouse in your Nissan hardbody. That's uh, that's awesome. All right. I got uh, one last one here from uh, Nicholas Setano, and he says, Hello, Liberace and Houdini. Uh, oh, sadly, yeah, I get that. I get that, too. Yeah. I listen to the podcast on my commute to and from work, and y'all keep me very entertained. Today, as luck would have it, you were talking about the Frontier Pick Challenge at the exact same time. I was passing a truck full of them as I was crossing the Illinois border back into Wisconsin. It was like it was meant to be. I'm an avid diesel enthusiast, which is how I found your show. So I love guests like Gail and Corey. I'm on my fourth Duramax now, currently driving a 22 GMC Sierra Denali 3500. It is my daily driver, and it's also used to tow our fifth wheel. How's that towing episode coming along? Not good. Uh, not true. Had a hitch company actually reach out to me, and I responded that with... Doesn't, that doesn't count nope. as an episode. That's one hitch company. That's okay. If they have an expert, we can uh, make it work. All right. Fun fact. When the show was at uh, 997 reviews, I took my wife's phone and gave a five-star review, and then drove to my mom's house and used her phone for a five-star <laughs> review before using mine to cast the thousandth review. Five-star review. Yeah, buddy. Five-star review. Five-stars. Yeah, buddy. Anyway, I'd love to rock some stickers, but I won't hold my breath, Lightning. My address is this. Uh, thanks. Keep the good work. Cheers, Nick. Uh, P.S. We don't have a Whataburger or In-N-Out here in Wisconsin, but we do have a Culver's, which is better anyway. I'll happily take my butter burger with a side of curds any day. Uh, yes and yes. Uh, I'm not going to say Culver's is better than In-N-Out, but it is a piece of Wisconsin magic that is spreading throughout the country, and it is a close... Uh, I would say it's my top three burger joints on the road. I like In-N-Out. I like Freddy's Steak Burgers. I like Culver's. Uh, those are kind of my favorite drive-through ones, I think. I think Culver's is my number two. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just, I, I basically said that, yeah. I, I know, but uh, there's one in Lake Havasu, which I'm very excited to go to. It's the closest one that I'm aware of. Yeah, and there's to, uh, to us, of there's, course. Yeah, there's one in, I think it's uh, St. George, Utah. So if I'm driving to Moab, I can okay. stop there also. Yeah, Culver's good. Uh, is it because they butter the buns? Yeah, well, they butter the burger. There's butter on the meat. Who, there is? Who doesn't? Who, it's butter on the meat, dude. It's awesome. Uh, he says PPS, want to hook a fan up with a bank's discount? Hey, wait, don't crumple that oh, up. Oh, yeah, there's a guy's address in it. That's right, sorry. There, Me take, trying to send that. stickers to people. And send him a bank's discount coupon. Got it. I can do, where's his address? It's right there. All right, stickers are on the way. Think of a writing. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com is the general mailbox. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or Coleman at truckshowpodcast.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. Is it weird when I vary my voice like that? I, don't, I didn't even notice. I don't really hear anything you say or do anymore. It's I just, just I'm in a so vacuum. Funny you just tuned me out completely. It's I feel like I'm um, like old radio guy. Hey everybody, spit of the wax, spit of those wheels of steel here. We got some fancy tunes playing for all Like um, you know what I tried to stomach. If you want to unfollow, it's no, no, at no, LBC listen, Lightning. No, listen, no. I was on the plane coming back from the Amsoil 50th anniversary event, and I'm uh, and I come across American Graffiti. I'm flying on Delta because you love Delta. I fell in love with Delta. They got a great movie selection. They do. And I tried to get through American Graffiti for about the fifth time and just can't. Just cannot get through that freaking movie. It's so slow. Cool cars, want to like it, can't. I feel like it's, it's classic Americana. It's George Lucas. Can't do it. What's wrong with me? Hate mail, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, <laughs> and of course, uh, at truckshowpodcast and at Sean P. Holman if you want to follow us on uh, social. Am I? I'm the, not, I'm not, you, I gave you lightnings. Uh, unfollow his. It's all no, good. No, wait, wait. Am I the only one that can't get through American Graffiti? I, I don't even know why it matters. But it's like, I feel like we, as men, as car enthusiasts, okay. we should love American Graffiti, and it just is so slow. I think you're giving way more. Props to it than it needs. Oh, really? I think you, just, you could like it or not like it. Who cares? No, I think it's, it's not like one of those things where people like, like oh, Bullet. Like Bullet, you have to love the chasing and Bullet. It's, you do, of course. Because it's I, real. It was great. But American Graffiti, all right, cool. Hey, by the way, if you haven't seen the new Mission Impossible, oh, dude. No. Yeah, go no. see it. No. Absolutely. Not giving the uh, Scientologist any of my I don't money. give a rat. I love Tom Cruise. I don't care about his religion. I am telling it's you, not dude, a religion. if you, whatever it is. Uh, Are cult. they going to come to my house now, do you think? It, no, they don't okay. care about you. Okay. If you liked any of the Mission Impossibles, damn, is this a good one. There are a couple of scenes, and it's not the one you've seen that's on the where he does the motorcycle off the cliff and all that. They hyped that for months. That's not the scene. That's not the cool, the, the, the edge of your seat scene that that is going to blow you away. There's another one with a train that's freaking awesome. I'm telling you, Mission Impossible. That's that Lightning's uh, movie, Hip to Click. That's funny because when we had the uh, show meeting, you're telling me about the Barbie movie, and you've you've changed uh, it to that I now. Did not see the Barbie movie. That's mm. not me. That was someone else. It was your other co-host. <laughs> Didn't see that. Don't have girls. Not going to see. I it. don't have a co-host, other than you. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, the actual uh, Impossible Mission uh, is uh, <laughs> sending Lightning your events and having him put them online. Uh-huh. Well, I did screw up, and I didn't. Uh, I forgot to advertise our buddy Sean Ramage's event at his open house or whatever it's called up at Empire Fabrication. Yeah, I totally failed. And uh, he's a friend of ours and I let him down. <laughs> and I did put it up on our socials and you saw that. And hopefully some of you went because it's 
The event was last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so I I am pretty good about posting events as you'll go to the events page on truckshowpodcast.com and you'll find quite a few events there. And we are looking for your events, just like we're looking for your calls at 657-205-6105, the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. We'll have another round of your calls coming up in the next episode. And thank you for everybody who has started to uh, send Know Your Notes again. So uh, we're going to compile those and hopefully uh, get back to uh, knowing your note. And uh, that's as- where, if you're new to the show, that's where you send us the exhaust note or the engine sound. And we have to guess And it. we have to guess what vehicle is the engine in. Or sometimes just how many cylinders it has. Or we don't even know anything. Let's say, because we do our best. And it's funny <laughs> to <laughs> well, us. It, it, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for listening to the Truck Show Podcast. We appreciate all of you. we got to thank Nissan. We appreciate them as well. Uh, Nissan Frontier, Nissan Titan XD. If you're in the market for a midsize or half-ton truck, head on down to your local Nissan dealer or over to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price and uh, see exactly what Nissan has to offer for you. It should definitely be on your list of trucks if you are in the market for a new one. And when you've decided that you just need some more power for that diesel pickup truck, reach out to BanksPower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the Derringer that's right for you. Add up to 81 horsepower, 144 pound-feet of torque, It's the extra oomph you need to get up the hill without downshifting while pulling the trailer. Downshifting is always like, oh, come on, engine. And then you're like, my truck needs more power. That's when you reach out to Banks. That's funny that your uh, revving engine sounds like that because uh, mine sounds like this. Yeah, that sounds good. Let me yep. try. Yep. Bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a no on that. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.